So I'm online. I see this all the time that they have uh, DMs having issues. Their players aren't working as a team or they have some player or their, their character concept is that they're like the lone solo tortured soul anti-hero that's they're having trouble getting that character interested in cooperating with the group. I just, I don't see why so many people have trouble with this. I mean, it's weird when you think about it, because the game groups that we've put together, I don't feel like we've had issues with that so much either. Yeah, I mean, I maybe we've just gotten lucky. Maybe. Or maybe we're thinking about those problems ahead of time, cutting them off at the pass, and making sure that everybody's on the same page before we sit down at the table. Yeah, I think that's a big thing. So so how about today? We're talking about the, uh, the social contract we entered into to make games fun. Hello and welcome to Game Master Studio, where we'll be talking tabletop role-playing games, tips and tricks that you can help you use to bring your game at home up to the next level. Today we'll be talking about the social contract involved to make games fun and have your party working together towards a common goal. My name is Jerry, aka Frieden. I'm Jared, aka DMF. And thank you for joining us. So the social contract that we're talking about today is a unspoken agreement, although apparently some groups may need to actually speak about this, that we're going to come together, play a game, have fun, and work to be playing the game and have fun. Yes. And when you start going outside the bounds of that agreement, the gentleman's agreement, as it were, you start getting conflict, you start getting players, players against players, rather than just characters against characters, and you start having less fun and the game is going to start breaking down. Yeah. Yeah. There's again, in most groups that I've been in, it's a unspoken rule, but I'm seeing more and more, uh, issues, uh, when I'm reading things online that it's apparently needs to be a spoken rule that when you are sitting down at the table to play a tabletop role playing game with friends or with acquaintances or people that you just met. But when you're sitting down to play this game online in the same room, doesn't matter where you are, how you're doing it. You are all there to have fun and play a game. That is what you're there to do. So there's some very important things that need to uh, be part of that understanding. If you're going to be sitting down together with other people or sitting down at a webcam and playing with other people, they need to understand that you are all there to play this game and to have fun. In order to for the game to function, and especially for you all to have fun, all the players need to be willing to play the game together and they need to make sure that the characters that they create are willing to play the game together. I don't know how many times I've seen, Oh, well, Joe Schmo wanted to make a character. It's this tortured solar loner type. They're not interested in money or power. You know, they just kind of want to be off in the woods, you know, doing their own thing. We're having trouble getting that character to want to group up. That's because they made a character that doesn't want to group up. So that's the first mistake right there. And there are places for that type of character. And those are usually what we call solo campaigns. Right. Um, the big one that we were talking about beforehand was everybody wants to play Batman. Right. But Batman has a support group. Batman has Robin and Catwoman and Alfred and Nightwing and Zantana and all the other. Yeah. Commissioner Gordon and all his other buddies. Right. And you even also will see Batman going and joining him with the Justice League and right. working as a team there. 
you see that even though he's capable of being a loner, he's also capable of saying, this is a time to work as a part of a team. Mm -hmm. And there's players that want to play Batman that don't stop and say, hey, there's, there's a time that I need to work with other people. Right, yeah. I'm fine with a character having a background that, like, I've spent my whole life up until this point alone, out in the middle of the woods. There's a, a Outlander class or background right in the player's handbook. There's a Hermit class in the player's handbook that says you spent your life alone. Yeah. So that's not out of the question. Right. The, the point is, when you're creating your character, that you are willing to play that character. The character creation has room to work with a group. From this point forward, you're, no matter what your background is, you're going to be grouping up. It might not be the second you sit down at the table, but very quickly you will be grouped up with the other people sitting at that table. And you need to be able to play with them as a player, and you need to be able to play with them with your character. And that is that is the character that you should have made. Someone that is good to go. If you need to have a reason to group up with them, you should know the reason that you're going to be able to use. Okay, I made a, I made a hermit. I've grown up alone my whole life. But the there's a group of people that are going to come through and start deforesting where I live. I cannot handle that all by myself. So I need to work with these people, and they're going to help me stop these guys because I can't do it by myself. Sure, fine, great, whatever. As long as you're willing to work with people. And you can come up with a stupid superficial reason. Oh, I feel like this character saved my life, and now... I need to repay that debt, and I'm going to stay with him until I repay that debt. Yeah. And eventually that debt will be repaid, and by that point, you're friends. Mm -hmm. So I'm now staying with him because I'm hanging out with my friend. Right, yeah. It's one of those, like, everyone wants to be the cool solo guy. Like, I, I get it. You know, everyone wants to, like you said, everyone wants to be Batman. Everyone wants to be, you know, like the, I can stand alone against the tide of army, you know, the, the army that's, that's coming my way. That's a cool concept. It doesn't really work in D&D. If you want to have that be what your character does in between adventures, that's fine. If you want to have that be in your background, that's fine. There might even be spots where the DM can work it into the game. But it, as a whole, you need to be able to work with a group. That's just how it is. It's a group sport. And it's not just the characters that need to work as part of the group. It's the player as right. well. Yes. Um, we've talked about players being willing to share the spotlight. Mm -hmm. We've talked about trying not to have players shut other players down. We want to encourage your your group mates to do the best they can and to have the most fun means that you need to give them time to do stuff and have fun and be playing the game as a group. Exactly, yes. Yeah, you're all there. Again, it's a team sport. Everyone needs to have their moment. Everyone should be supporting each other. Everyone should be making sure that the team is functioning in-game and out-of-game. All The players all need to be willing to play together. The characters all need to be willing in-game to function together. Your character does not have to like every other character in the group. You can secretly hate everybody else in the group, you know, character-wise, as long as they have a reason to continue to work, you know, cooperatively with the group. And you can have, my character doesn't like Jared's character, but I am good friends with David's character. So I'm tolerating Jared's character for the purpose of my friendship with David's character. Um, and that can make for some great drama and conflict and stories. So it doesn't mean that everybody has to get along with everybody all the time. But you want to have, at least most of the time, you should be getting 
along with somebody, so they were working together. Right. So, some of the uh, stereotypical characters that we were talking about uh, in our little pre-show, other than, like, you know, your Batman-esque solo kind of characters, is the first one is That Thief. That Thief is the one who realizes that his sleight of hand and stealth checks are better than everybody else's perception checks, and he put right on his character sheet that he cares more about money than anything else, so he proceeds to rob the party blind at every opportunity. Right. Now, in my opinion, as a DM, the party is perfectly within their rights to kind of lynch him, kick him out after they've found out that this is going on. It gives that player an opportunity to either A, come back with a new character that's going to work as part of the group, or B, have a character realization moment and try to atone for what he's done and show that, hey, I can work with you guys. You can trust me again. And then you go through that character arc of the other players like, well, can we trust this guy? I don't know if we can trust him, but we need him. And then you build through there and develop the story. And you have a character that's now developed. They've changed. They've grown from the experiences they've had. Yeah, as long as it leads to the group eventually functioning, then there can be some some good opportunities for role-playing there. But when you just have a player intentionally playing a character that is intentionally just robbing the party blind and just causing grief just for their own personal gain, like, at the end of the day, what does it really matter if your character has you know, a thousand more gold than everyone else at the table. Like, okay, well, I can get that one item that one time. Well, yeah, but now you're disrupting the entire flow of the group. And even if the characters aren't noticing, the players are going to be aware of it and it's going to leak into the game and they're all going to be frustrated. So, I mean, there are some exceptions to this rule or some situations where you can have a discussion with the group uh, where, like, hey, guys, just so you know, like, this is what my character's going to do. Is everyone okay with that? You know, that's fine. Sure, great. But nine times out of ten is going to be very disruptive for the group. It's going to cause a lot of animosity amongst the players. And you're going to start having to worry about the situations where you're going to start having the arguments of uh, player knowledge versus character knowledge because the players are all going to know that the character is stealing from the, uh, their characters. So the players are going to want to start forcing opportunities where their character can notice this so then their character can confront the other character in the game. And then you're going to start having to worry about the whole metagame argument which is a whole nother story and we have a podcast on that one check that out it can just it's just this is this counterproductive is, this is all chaining on under the same header that we have on our notes so don't make problems right um there is another classic problematic type uh that paladin right if you want to go ahead and yeah. explain the paladin. Yeah. So the paladin is the other side of the coin. It uh, is extremely explosive if also grouped with that thief. So that paladin is the paladin, the lawful good, atypical, what I think of as kind of more like the second edition, you know, lawful good paladin, uh, where just everything has to be righteous and good and pure all the time. And they're constantly, you know, preventing the party from doing a lot of things that while not evil, might not be the purest, most lawful good version of a situation. So they are constantly causing the the issues and disrupting the party of, oh, well, I say we interrogate this orc. Oh, well, no, we can't interrogate the orc. I mean, we can ask him questions, but we can't harm him in any way. Okay, well, you know, if this bartender doesn't tell me what I need to know, then I'm going to punch him in the face. No, that's against, oh, yo, you punched him in the face? That's against the law. I'm going to drag my own party member to jail, you know, across town. And they're just constantly, I mean, 
they're kind of like what gave Paladins a bad name for a long time. People going over the top and overplaying the role of the, the lawful good, pure soul Paladin that can do no wrong. Everything has to be perfect goody two-shoes. Well, a lot of this, unfortunately, came out because of mechanics. Where the early Paladins were, it said that they could lose access to their divine abilities if they associated with evil people. Right. Which led people to believe that if you know somebody who's evil and aren't actively working to stop that evil, then you lose your paladinhood forever. Right. And that led to them like, well, mechanically, I have to do this in order to keep my abilities. And they're hiding behind the rules to excuse them being right. overbearing and controlling yeah. other players. Yeah. Honestly, most of the players that I played with in, you know, old editions, you know, second edition specifically, you know, it, they're just... Honestly, as a player, I felt like the player was being a jerk. You know, like, they I know they're going for, like, the goody-goody two-shoes kind of, you know, like, uh, approach to the character. But, like you said, they were just being overbearing and controlling in every situation. And, like, everything had to be okayed by them. And it was, they were just obnoxious, and I it just spoiled the game for me. And the Order of the Stick webcomic by Rich Burlew actually has an arc where the antagonist is a paladin. Because he wanted to see if he could do a storyline where the antagonist was a lawful good character. And he did it just by making this paladin be that overbearing. Like, we have to do this, this, and this because this is the right thing to do. Yeah. And made one of possibly one of the most hated characters that his fan base just couldn't tolerate. <laughs> So, I mean, again, like everything, there's there's a time and a place, and some of these stereotypes can kind of work, but, you know, it's going to take work on both the player's part and the DM's spot. We're not telling you what you that you can't do some of this stuff in your games, but we're telling you that these things have a tendency of blowing up in your face, and there should be, you know, your typical character should be just willing to work with the party. I mean, I'm not saying it's okay that you go out and start slaughtering, you know, the, and spreading the blood of innocence, you know, in your game. I'm just saying that you don't have to do everything... You know, the way that the old school paladin would. Another stereotype that we've already touched on um, is that druid. Yes. The one who says, well, I want to be out in nature, and I don't have a use for money, and I don't like people, and I don't want to be in the cities. I'm then, true neutral. Yeah, then then you can spend your sessions role-playing sitting alone in the woods while the rest of us have a story. Yeah. Yeah, the kind of the old school train of thought of true neutral where like, oh, well, if I'm in a bar fight with my friends and as soon as my friends start to win the fight, I need to switch sides to the other side and start helping until they start to win. And then I need to switch sides again. And I'm just flip flopping the whole time. You're never going to get anything done. You're never going to accomplish anything. Why are you with a party? Just like you said, just go sit out in the woods and stare at the stream, you know, you know, the water going by and, and, and just dream about how nothing matters. It's it's just counterproductive to you know the group functioning you know i'm not saying don't play a neutral or true neutral style character but you know like have a way that they have a uh, some goals or ambitions or, or want to accomplish something and there's different approaches to true neutral where like maybe you're just kind of passive about things like yeah yeah i don't care not i have to maintain perfect balance in the world so i have to start switching sides in the middle of combat so those were the major points for the agreement that we have when we come to play and specifically focused on what's happening during the actual playtime. Now we also have some minor points that we wanted to bring up and minor is maybe a little misleading because they're still very important, but they're not, they're not that broad overarching, you know, work as a group, don't make problems. 
they're much more specifically focused on these complaints that we see a lot online about how to get your group to work together as a team and how to have the game to have fun. And so these are just more agreements that people should be doing and kind of should be unstated. But I guess because of the problems people are having, we have to bring up even these little things. First on the list we have is to follow the plot. Right, yeah. Um, if you're playing in a game and your DM is pointing you in a direction, you should probably go that direction. I mean, they. I understand that some DMs are more talented and skilled at setting the stage than others, but if you're playing in a game and they are pointing you in a direction, it's polite to follow that direction because that's where the story's leading, that's where the game's going, that's what they want you to do. Just do it. Don't make them pull your teeth. Don't make them come up with some sort of elaborate excuse or, or reason of how to get your character or group to go that way, you know, if they're struggling with it, just just go. Just and, go. And it's not to say that the players don't have free will, but if, you know, the the DM is weaving this tale about an orc invasion from the east and an ancient magical sword that must be found to stand against the green tide, and your party goes, well, actually, we want to open a tavern and run that and have wacky adventures from the tavern. Mm -hmm. That's not to say that's a bad game. But talk with your DM about whether or not you can do that as kind of your game, because maybe he had this really cool idea for the Orc Horde. Yeah. So, again, that kind of, it's a social contract. So, this is where having a conversation with your DM and your DM having a conversation with the group can come into play. You know, if they have this big, giant, epic tale planned, but you guys going to want to do more of a... Uh, you know, like you said, like, I want to start a tavern and do kind of like more of like a more in-town day in the life of an NPC kind of game, then that's the conversation that needs to be had. Okay, well, I was planning on this big epic tale, you know, like Lord of the Rings style epic, and you guys just want to go over here and start a business. That's, again, that's not a bad game, but that's two different games. And if I'm trying to push you this way, and you want to go over here, then we're trying to play two different games at the same time. This so. is the, the DM wanted to play Lord of the Rings. The players wanted to play Bob's Burgers. <laughs> So, I mean, if, if there was a conversation prior to the game, uh, which I think it's important that DMs kind of have this kind of conversation prior to the game anyways, you know, like, oh, I'm, I'm thinking, you know, horror. Yeah, as, as a DM, like, if I have a campaign idea, I'll talk to my players. I won't give them plot twists, but I'll be like, here's my idea of what I'm thinking. Mm -hmm. You know, whether it's, well, I'm thinking we're going to do, like, a globe hopping, you know, going to lots of different locations, very high level. Not, we're not getting too deep into to morality questions and storylines, but we're having a lot of fun in classic dungeon crawls. Yeah. Or I want to give you guys this area that you can just run around and do whatever you want in, like kind of stay within the area and we'll just kind of play with that and have fun. Mm -hmm. You know, the players actually know at least what to expect. And if it's something they don't want, they can then say, well, I was thinking it would be cool to do X instead. And maybe the DM will go, hey, that's a great idea. Let's do that. Yeah. Yeah, I definitely think it's important, you know, if you're a whole group of players who's like, oh, well, I was kind of expecting, like, you know, a hyper-realistic, you know, horror survival kind of game, and the DM's like, oh, well, I was kind of playing this epic battle-based, you know, fantasy, you know, concepts. Okay, let's um, either, let's have a conversation. Who, you know, do you guys want to switch over to my idea, or should I replan my game and, you know, going to go for your idea? Or do we want to have a compromise, you know, where we're... We have this, I have this epic storyline, you want horror realization, okay, maybe now instead of, you know, a wave of orcs is attacking, now there's a plague of vampires. Yeah. And so you have 
we have to figure out what's going on with the vampires, but still dealing with the individual vampires is still a harrowing experience because they're still very powerful creatures and we don't have their weaknesses. Right. And you can get that horror in there and still have the DM's idea of this invading force. Mm-hmm. So it's just important to, again, everyone needs to be on the same page. You know, like, not everyone's going to be, you know, perfectly in sync with each other, but if you all know what you're, you know, you all have a similar expectation of the game, then everyone will be a lot happier uh, than being on different pages completely. Uh, Next on the list, we have, I hate that we have to put it on here, but be an adult. Yes. Now, this is is speaking metaphorically. I mean, you may have teenagers, you may have preteens, whatever in the game, but... Anybody who's over the age of, like, 13, 14 at the very least should be in control of their emotions enough to be able to be mature and reasonable about the game. It doesn't mean you can't make fart jokes, (laughs) but it does mean that you can't, you know, pitch a fit, grab your books, and walk out in the middle of the game because of something that you didn't like that happened. Yeah. Yeah, uh, just got to show some maturity at the game. I mean, again, there can be plenty of fart jokes. There can be plenty of goofiness and wackiness, and everyone can still have fun. But if there is something happens in the game, you know, the DM does something or even another player does something, then, you know, if you don't like what happened or don't agree with what happened, like, there should be a conversation about it. Uh, you know, in a perfect world after the game, you know, if it's something that's directly needs to be, uh, you know, immediately addressed right there on the spot, that's fine. But, you know, don't grab your books, you know, chuck your dice across the room, tip over your, your glass, ruin the map, you know, say, screw this, I'm, I'm out. You know, no no drop the mic moments. Uh, just just have a conversation. Flip the table, cut a promo, drop the mic. Yeah. And if need be, cut the session early. Yes. So that you can have that conversation with the time that people have already allotted to being available for the game. Yeah, and that's which we've mentioned in another episode, you know, there's... There's times where you want your game to run long, and there's times where you want your game to run short. That would be a time where you want your game to run short, you know, because you want to make sure that everyone at the table is having fun, you know, the in a perfect world, the entirety of your session. If you hit some topic or some situation that has caused a obviously large enough issue that there's a chance someone might walk away, even if it's just a break, stop the game, address the issue, have a conversation. If you can come back to the game, great. If you need to just have let everyone cool off for you know for a week till your next session or whenever your next session is, that's fine too. Let people, you know, calm, you know, tempers, you know, uh, simmer down a little bit and have that conversation, be an adult, you know, you know, and just be able to move on. We've had instances in our game where we've kind of stopped it to make sure everything's okay. And it turns out that everything's fine. We're just misreading the symbol yes. signals. Yeah. But the fact that we we just we wanted to stop it to make sure that everybody was having fun because if you're not having fun, there's not a lot of point in continuing. Right. Yeah. Yeah. There's no point in pushing through. Uh, another big one is which we sort of touched on a little bit is keeping things that happen in game in the game. If uh, if if my thief steals gold from you, even though we've already covered not stealing, but I I lay claim to some gold that you felt was yours. That doesn't mean that. I'm walking home tonight because you were my ride. Right, yeah. You know, just because my character stole a couple coins out of your pocket doesn't mean that I actually went over to you in real life and stole money out of your pocket. I didn't walk over to your face and spit in your face. I didn't punch you. I didn't attack you verbally or physically in any way, shape, or form. I've done nothing to you in the real world that should hopefully affect our friendship other than steal some coins from you in the game. If your character has a problem with that, when he catches me, you can address that in the game. But keep it in the game. 
And I mean, really, if somebody steals something from you in D&D, is it any worse than, oh, I got this property that you wanted in Monopoly? Yeah. It's this, even though because we created our characters, we feel more invested, we feel the emotional connection, ultimately, they are works of fiction mm-hmm. and should be given that weight. Right, exactly, yeah. Nothing tangible has changed in the real world. Uh, error was spoken from my mouth. You know, it was interpreted in your ear. And that is all that happened. And then we have the flip side of the coin. Yes. Keeping out of game, out of the game. Right. Now, this was actually one that we were discussing that I had a little bit of difficulty with. Just because I have a hard time where to think of something that somebody could do out of game, howl the grudge against them, but still make me want to show up to the game and play with them. Uh, I had the thought of a situation, which I've been in a similar situation before. I don't think I actually played D&D with them, but... Uh, uh, say you lent a friend some money, you know, maybe not a lot of money. Maybe you lent him like 30, 50 bucks, something like that. And they said they'd pay you back, but they haven't paid you back. It's been a few months since they were supposed to pay you back and they still haven't paid you back. That to me is a situation where like, I would be frustrated with that person. And, uh, but it would not to me in that situation, it would not be worth burning a bridge over. I wouldn't want to lose a friendship over the fact that they owed me some money. You know, if they're being a jerk about it, that might escalate the situation and be a little bit different. But if it was one of those, like, they just keep not paying me, I would still be willing to play D&D with them. I would still not, again, not want to lose a friendship over it. Uh, but I could be frustrated and that could leak out into the game if I wasn't trying to make sure consciously to not let it trip into the game. So that's an out-of-game situation where I could be frustrated with a player at the table, you know, be a little uh, resentful towards them, but I would want to try to make sure that that wasn't coming out through my character towards their character. And this requires us to be mature enough to recognize, okay, I have an issue with this person. How can I handle it maturely so that it doesn't bleed over and and start taking over stuff that it shouldn't? Right, exactly. You need to be able to recognize that, hey, maybe I need to step back here and take take a different perspective on things. Yeah, and if it's a situation where you are having trouble being self-aware about that, or you realize that it might leak into your game unconscious, you know, on a subconscious level, you could let your DM know. You know, you know the, you know, and they could just say, you know, hey, look, so you know, like, you know, Jerry's owed me fifty bucks for like six months, and I'm totally down with still playing with him. You know, we're still friends and all, but you know, sometimes he kind of gets on my nerves a little extra fast because I'm a little frustrated with him. Just Try to make sure that I'm not letting that come into the game. And they can start calling you and like, hey, 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 just take a breath. Like, this is all that happened in the game. You know, their character just kind of didn't agree with your character. That's all that happened. And and a DM should really also, in many cases, be a moderator if there, if there is difficulty in amongst the group. Now, sometimes the DM is going to be part of that difficulty, uh, in which case you sh- still should be able to find someone else in the group, which theoretically is a pool of common friends. Right. You know, between the two parties, everybody should be friends with at least the other people at the table. And you should be able to agree on somebody that maybe can help work this out, put things into perspective. Right. So, again, keep it, you know, keep out of game, out of game, keep in game, in game. And then another kind of like a, a footnote for the the wrapping of this video. Uh, remember... That when you come to a game, in theory, you're here to game. The primary purpose of being here is to play the game. Now, 
I will take into account when I'm running a game that I know that people are going to show up and they're going to talk and they're going to catch up on their social on the social side of things and we might not get started right on time but I'm taking that into account I'm prepared for it ahead of time and once we start getting into the game itself hopefully most of that will have run its course and we won't have to have it keep coming up again this also means that if my group had to cancel two sessions and we're meeting seeing each other for the first time in two months then I know that there's going to be a lot going on before we can actually get down to business yeah and that's something that you should, like Jerry said, you should be trying to account for. If you really want the game to start at noon, try to get everyone together like 10 or 11 so that you can give them that time to chit-chat, catch up, have their little social interactions, you know, like, and let things wind down. And then when the game starts, you can focus on the game. Now, all that being said, when the game does start, we need to be able to play the game. And I understand that sometimes there's a little bit of a ramping up and a warming up period. I'm kind of the same way even when I'm DMing. Unless I've been sitting there prepping all morning on the spot, you know, just anticipating, just like, I'm ready to go. But there are times where I sit down, I'm like, okay, like I'm kind of easing into this, start off a little slow. But still, everyone should be at the table. They should be attentive. They should be paying attention to what's going on, listening to the DM, listening to the other players at the table when it's their turn to role play or talk or speak. They shouldn't be buried in Facebook. They shouldn't be playing that new game that they got, you know, that new game app on their phone. They shouldn't be filling out job applications. You know, they they should be playing the game, listening to music, right? Yeah, um, adult videos. <laughs> These are all instances that have come up in games that we've had. So, yes. um, they should be there to play the game. As the DM, you do need to be okay with calling them out on it. Don't necessarily be a jerk, but you know it's okay to say, "Hey, can you?" put your phone away so we can do this. Or sometimes you'll just snap them out of it and it's like, it's your turn. Oh, what, 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 what's going on? Well, you can make a decision as to what to do now or spend a turn getting your bearings. Mm-hmm. I mean, that feels like it's very heavy handed. Um, but yeah, if the player's not paying attention, maybe the character is not paying attention. Right. Yeah. I mean, there's a lot of ways to handle that. Uh, I think we've discussed that in some other podcasts. I mean, uh, I know that there are a few techniques where if the player doesn't know, you know, within X amount of time, then they lose their turn because their character is then disoriented and trying to get their bearings in combat. Uh, Might be one of those situations where, you know, like uh, you don't even give them, you know, X amount of time, you know, five, 10, 30 seconds, a minute, whatever it is, you know, you're just like, Oh, you, you don't know what's going on. Guess your character doesn't know what's going on. Boom. You just instantly lost your turn. Um, but I mean, when it all, and for, for a player that's not paying attention, have them make a DC five dexterity save because they're about to trip. Yeah. But don't tell them that just be like, as they're not paying attention, be like, Oh, Hey Dave, make a dexterity save. They're paying attention then. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> uh, another thing a lot of groups will do. And in a lot of groups, this works. Some it doesn't, it's just no devices at the table. I mean, in a perfect world, that's the case, but a lot of groups nowadays will use, be using apps on their phone, you know, using laptops, using, uh, tablets for the game. So in between their turns, they might have a tendency to flip from their character sheet or app or whatever they're using to, Oh, let me go check on and see what's on Facebook real quick. 
that's kind of, you know, it's up to the DM. In a perfect world, I want everyone to be paying attention all the time. So if you have an app, you know, if you're using a laptop, a tablet, your phone, or whatever to play the game, that's perfectly fine, all well and good. You know, they do that typically in most of my games, not in Dark Hounds, but a lot of my games, everyone has a laptop at the table. But they still need to be paying attention. You know, it's there as a tool. It's not there as a distraction. So I don't want to see people on Facebook. I don't want to see people playing games. Some DMs are a little bit more lenient with that, and they're okay with you being a little bit, you know, on Facebook and playing games, you know, as long as when it's your turn, you know what you're doing. You know, if you are called upon in a role-playing situation, you are still paying attention and you know what's going on and you can interact. So, I mean, that's DM's discretion, as is, you know, most things, but I'm a little bit more on the be paying attention all the time side. Don't be playing games. Don't be on Facebook. Uh, again, a lot of people can be kind of in the middle on that one. And if you need to give your players time to not be paying attention, the best time to do it is when you're, you want to give extra focus to another character because they're off on their own for a little bit. You know, if the party's split up, if you're working exclusively with the thief right now while they're sneaking into the building, then it's fine if the fighter and major are on Facebook. Yeah. You know, okay, guys, I'm going to be working with Jerry for a few minutes here. Uh, feel free to check your Facebook status. <laughs> do whatever you need to do on Twitter. Take a smoke break. Yeah, take a smoke break. And the other thing, too, is going to be uh, that I was going to mention is to actually give breaks, especially if you're in longer games. If your game is six-plus hours, you're going to want to give at least one, you know, 50, at least 15-minute break, I would say, you know, around the three-hour mark, if not like a full-on half hour. You know, give them a time to, you know, get their snacks, get a drink, go to the bathroom, have cigarettes, do whatever you want to do or whatever they need to do, and just kind of get that out of the system so when you come back to the table, you can focus and just play the rest of the game. There's different ways you can do that, different ways you can utilize that, but, you know, I do recommend breaks for long sessions. Yeah, and I think uh, generally, officially, uh, casino dealers are actually given some, something like 10 minutes every hour. So that way you can just focus on what you're doing. You know, you're not starting to burn out and, and uh, push that boundary. Right. So this is just a few things we wanted to talk about. Obviously, we could go into more detail about a lot of the social contract that is between players, DMs, uh, when you're at the table. And like we said at the beginning, it feels a little awkward that we need to explain this to some people, but that's the way some groups are. And this might be one of those podcasts that you may need to say to your group, hey guys, just take a listen to this and see what you think. Right, yeah. And hopefully it'll help make your game a better place to play. Yeah. So thank you for joining us for our show today. As always, if you have any comments on today's topics or any stories you'd like to share about how you used it in your game, feel free to get in touch with us. Also, if there's anything you'd like to hear us discuss, let us know. Uh, you can support us on Patreon, patreon.com slash GameMasterStudio. Subscribe for exclusive access to early content and also a few other special surprises and tricks we've been putting up there. You can get in touch with us on Twitter. We are GMS Studios, uh, available on Facebook for you to like, comment, and subscribe. And we have new episodes coming out every week with more information on running your game. We're posting them on Podbean at GameMasterStudio.Podbean.com through iTunes and available now on YouTube as well. Speaking of YouTube, check out our Darkhounds 360 VR campaign. Watch us play through, use the tips that you see here, and occasionally miss an opportunity. Thank you for joining us. Thank you for your support. We'll see you the next time that we get back into the studio.